on TV, on radio, and on your smartphone. This is Talk TV. my friends and a big big welcome to Jeremy Carr live and wherever you're watching in the UK we hope your Wednesday's going well let me start by saying no need for five promises on this show just the one we'll do we guarantee to talk about the things that you're talking about be it at home uh, at work in the pub you get the idea and as ever we want to hear from you, you can get in touch throughout the show on all the socials on Insta Twitter and Facebook at Jeremy Carr live Stop. Uh, using the hashtag JK Live. Brilliant. Now, as we just mentioned, Rishi Sunak has decided to focus on five issues today. That'll be inflation, the economy, national debt, the NHS and immigration. So, my friends, here's a clip showing Rishi Sunak telling us he's going to focus on five issues. Inflation, the economy, national debt, the NHS and immigration. Don't blame me. That's how these channels work nowadays. And I've made five promises today to deliver peace of mind. We will halve inflation, grow the economy, reduce debt, cut waiting times and stop the boats. But I know this is just the start of what we need to do to build a better Britain together. As well as peace of mind today, this afternoon I've also set out a vision for a better future for our children and grandchildren. Now we're not going to get there overnight or even in this parliament. But this is the journey we are on. Wow. Now, with me as ever on a Wednesday at Kyle's Cabinet, a, a motley crew of has-beens aiming for a political comeback. Former Labour MP Stephen Pound, uh, Talk Radio's political editor, nice shirt, Peter Cardwell. Uh, former Conservative MP, uh, horrible shirt, uh, Neil Parrish. <laughs> and Thank former Labour advisor, Frankie Leach. But first, well, they gather themselves together live from his constituency, Bournemouth East giving us a flavour to start of reaction from the Tory benches. Uh, good friend of the show, Tobias Elwood MP. Tobias, good evening. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Can I just congratulate you on the, the friends you've got in the, uh, in the studio there? Some great characters. Um, I wish I was there myself. Oh, bless you. Um, I, I don't want to be cynical. Uh, your party's been in power for nearly 13 years. Sunak does this big thing this afternoon, five big pledges. To me... Uh, it looks a bit tired. It looks like we're just going through the motions, aren't we? Yeah, well, the lines that you've just used is exactly what we get from Labour uh, increasingly. Oh, you've been in for 12 years. Look at the state of the nation. It glosses over some of the gargantuan events uh, that have rocked not just this nation, but indeed uh, internationally as well. And we've had to handle that. That's been on our watch. Any government that was in power in the last 12 years would have had to handle this as well. And we now have somebody uh, who is able to take the country forward. He's been honest about the challenges that we face. I make it very clear, I'll go further than that, to say 2023 is going to be more bumpy than 2022, both domestically and internationally. But he's saying, let's think differently. Let's think bigger. Uh, but also, let's also address those things that matter, very much matter to uh, the people of Britain. Three of those issues are absolutely to do with the economy. Uh, showing fiscal responsibility, and then, of course, is focused on the NHS and, indeed, the small boats, uh, as you mentioned. The one area that I would love to have explored further would have been internationally. What are we going to do on the stage? Because, as I've said many times in discussing with you, you know, our world is getting more dangerous, not less. But maybe there's a foreign policy speech to be had further down the line, and we'll get more information about that. 
Um, I mean, uh, Labour today respond, and it's quite an interesting response. They said that really now we've got to a point after four prime ministers that the Conservative, uh, you know, leader and our prime minister is, is promising to fix problems that his own damn governments or the governments for the last 12 years have created. How would you respond to that, Tobias? Again, I'm, I'm going to repeat myself and say that these are problems. Did we create COVID? Did we actually create uh, the war in Ukraine? No, we've had to handle it. And uh, I think the Prime Minister made it very, very clear. He's very proud of his actions of stepping in and supporting Britain. We then have Ukraine, which has shot up energy prices and the cost uh, of living because of uh, the grain price going up as well. He stepped forward and provided that important support um, because of uh, the cost of energy. But going back to what I'm saying, no, um, I think, budget statement should, should now be presented without going through the National Security Council because, mm. you know, we embrace globalization arguably more so than most other countries. Supply chains go all across the world. We are so vulnerable, more so than ever before. As I say, as our world gets more dangerous, we need to be looking at ways of making sure we've got security of supply, whether it be energy or indeed otherwise I guess, I guess, as well. I guess what I'm saying, Rishi, is... is it, Rishi. <laughs> Tobias. I guess what I'm saying about Rishi Tobias is... I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not that, Prime Minister yet. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, there will be a lot of cynicism. Uh, take immigration. People will be saying, hold on a second, what's he going to do in 20 months that his four predecessors haven't been able to do? That's what the average voter wants to know, isn't it? Words are great, but how's he going to turn this around in such a short space of time? Yeah, let's, let's put our hand up and say it has been the most ridiculous summer for the Conservative Party on record. And, uh, yes, we've, we've actually burnt a lot of trust with the British people. But uh, when you look at, well, would you support Labour? Would you vote for Labour? Do you understand what Labour actually stands for? Nobody has any ideas there. The only reason why they're even looking at Labour is simply because we've had a very tough time the last six months. And what you now have is the Prime Minister saying, I'm very firm on where I want to take the nation. I'm committed to making sure that we uh, get the economy back working again, that we inspire growth. And we're going to focus on making sure uh, that we get the NHS uh, back up to standards as well and deal with this immigration problem too. This immigration problem, of course, is not, again, it's not a British uh, concern alone. Yeah. There are this similar numbers going into France, to Spain, to Portugal, uh, to Austria, to, to Germany. You know, we, people forget this. It's just because we have waterways and, and, and we've closed down you know, those uh, migrants that would hang on to the underbellies of, of juggernauts, you know, coming across um you know the the the, the in, in the ferries and so forth there's only one way to get across now and that's through those boats okay, uh, okay Tobias, i want you to i want you to stay there i want to bring the cabin in let's bring up with you stephen pound ex-labor mp yeah. exactly what tobias Selwood just yeah. said um labor seemed to be crawling or rather slowly crawling towards power without really saying too much what do they stand for well, we stand for an enormous amount as you well know i mean a rebalance in the economy uh, a, a, a levy on on the utilities abolition of the house of lords we actually look at things like ID cards. We're doing some really, really sensible things. But I think what actually slightly worries me about what we're hearing from Rishi today is the biggest domestic political issue in this coming year, by a mile, is going to be housing. There's an entire generation out there. You know, you've got teenage children. 
Where, how are they going to get houses? He didn't mention that, and that is one thing that the government can do something about. And to say that, I mean, your, your point about tidying up the mess from before is a, is a very good one, but a lot of things like inflation, NHS, the, the Lansley internal market he bought in the NHS, are actually made in the Tory central office. And I think that's what they need to actually realise, that, that the country doesn't just want a, a, a Conservative Party to unpick the horrors of the previous Conservative Party. They actually want something to solve he, the problems. He's looking at you, your, your yeah. fellow dame from the pantomime okay. scene. Neil Parrish. Oh, no, he isn't. Oh, oh, yes, oh, he oh isn't. yes, I am. Yes, the, the key, I think, is that, that, that if Labour's going to get to power, they're going to have to have absolute policies. And the idea of reforming the House of Lords, all it'll be is a huge constitutional crisis, and you'll argue and argue and argue. Um, so let's actually get down to earth. And I think what Rishi has done today is, is actually come forward with some positive ideas. Yes, it's a difficult time. We all accept that. Lots to do. But it's right that he wants to halve inflation, get the debt. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's right for the Prime Minister to put that forward because... Every, Am I missing every... the point? Wouldn't, wouldn't every Prime Minister yeah. have wanted to settle the economy and yeah. organise inflation? Yeah, but why is that outstanding? It's about the whole time, mate. No, no, hang on a minute. You had, you had your say about the Labour Party. So let me have a, my say about the Prime Minister. It's right that the Prime Minister has a positive vision, right? Yeah. Now, he will actually turn these things round gradually. He's got a hell of a lot to do. Um, but if inflation is the thing to tackle, because otherwise... Wages will not be able to go up as high as inflation. All of these things, right? Get the social care sorted as far as the NHS is concerned, because that is the big problem. Because twenty yeah. percent of the beds, as you know, are there with people that can't be moved on into homes. That's the key to the whole thing. So I think he was right in what he said today. He's got a hell of a battle to deliver it, but it's right that we have a prime minister that has a, is competent. And what we do actually have is a prime minister that's competent. Well, that's interesting, Frankie. I mean, to me, it seems like, and I'm. I'm bring Tobias back in and Peter as well. I mean, is this anything new? Should not a Prime Minister want to organise inflation and social care? Why is this so magnificent today? Why is this, you know, why are people going, oh, my goodness me? That's what a Prime Minister should do. I don't really think that people are kind of, you know, singing his praises for the speech. And also, I think what we've missed here is about the delivery of that speech. He's just not very confident, is he? He doesn't come across as a leader with capabilities that's going to show you strength, who's going to guide you through a crisis. He sounds concerned. And I think another thing that we've missed out as well is childcare. And I say this as someone who's not quite at the age to have kids yet, but I would like to in the future. And housing and childcare are two things that work together. And for a lot of young professionals, middle-class people, people earning decent wages, who are already feeling the crooks when it comes to the financial crisis, can't afford to send their children to nursery, can't afford to have kids. And we've got a problem with an ageing population and not many people having children. Um, one of the things that, that Sunak talked about today was everybody doing maths till they're 18. The response is phenomenal. Kenneth says, uh, thank you for all your messages already. Do you honestly think this is what people are thinking about right now, Jess? Do you honestly think this is news? I, I suspect we know. Buckle up for 2023. It's not going to be great. Alistair says, Rishi Sunak is clueless, forcing pupils to study a subject they can currently opt out of if they don't want to pursue a career that demands maths and science qualifications will just lead to less time for the subjects they choose to study and more stress, pressure and resentment. Fortune says they've run out of ideas. Does that look to you, Pete? We've worked together a long time. Does that look to you like a new agenda and a competent Prime Minister or just the same old stuff and we're, we're sleepwalking 
to defeat well, the Tory party. The math stuff isn't new because Michael Gove, when he was Education Secretary, wanted to bring it in. in We're going to talk about that later. 2011. Though. So that's part of it. In terms of the priorities he's outlining today, the first three, uh, the financial ones, are all things that look as if they probably will happen over the course of the year. And sometimes, in terms of bringing flesh and down, that's not all to do with Rishi Sunak. There are many other players within this, including the Bank of England. The NHS one is really interesting in terms of cutting waiting lists. That's a big, big thing. But in terms of uh, small boats, as he was asked at the press conference afterwards, all Rishi Sunak has actually pledged to do is to pass legislation to try to stop the small boats. That's an easy thing to do. He's got quite a strong majority in Parliament. Whether he's actually going to stop them and whether he's going to solve immigration, that's a much, much bigger problem. Can I bring Tobias back in? Tobias, um, people will have opinions. Neil Paris says he's a competent man, which would imply to me that the Conservative Party thinks the last couple weren't competent. Do you think he can do enough to regain that very trust you were talking about in the electorate over the next two years. Words are fine, but do you think he can actually action change quick enough to get the Conservative government back on track? I do, and the polling actually illustrates this. When you look at the polling, not the Tories against uh, Labour, but uh, Rishi Sunak against Keir Starmer, Rishi Sunak beats Keir Starmer every single time in every single criteria. So, yes, we have faith, finally, in a leader that can take us to 2024. This talk of Boris Johnson coming back, really, we should put that, you know, in, in, in advance because uh, that is just a, a massive distraction. But the wider point, I, what I'd love to see is a confirmation of what our country wants to be, where we want to go in this very fast-changing world. I saw a great documentary on the Apollo programme they interviewed the janitor, and he was asked, what's your job here? Expecting to be told that he just, you know, sweeps the floors. He says, I'm here to help get our, our guys to the moon. He knew what his role was in putting the nation forward. And I think we need to actually create a, a vision of being a high-tech superpower. You know, we have life sciences, pharma, creative industries. We have the financial global you know, services industry in London and elsewhere as well. We have the ability to move forward. That's why mathematics is actually so important. Let's uh, understand what our niche focus is, what our expertise is on the global stage. Otherwise, we'll just get subsumed and overtaken by so many other nations. Tobias, as ever, a pleasure. Frankie, before I go to the break, you said something under your breath. 20 seconds. Well, what? I'm just... I'm perplexed to see that we've got these grand visions for Britain when people can't get a doctor's appointment, you can't send your child to nursery, you can't buy a house. You know, what grand Britain are we peddling here? Britain is broken. How are we going to mend it next on JK Live? Apparently, according to Rishi Sunak, it's about maths. We'll be talking maths uh, with a couple of dames and the two expats. We're coming right back. Don't go anywhere.
Welcome back to JK Live Wednesday night. Now, having spent a couple of months in Downing Street, poring over the figures and the mess we're in, Dishy Wishy has quickly got to the heart of the problem. Nobody can bloody well add up. With an estimated 8 million adults possessing the math skills of primary age children, is he right that it's about time to make sure these people really can count? Now, my cabinet is still here. They're all worried about what's going to happen next because they've been given a blank piece of paper and a pen. But first up, delighted to be joined by quiz expert from The Chase, Mark Labette. Mark, good evening. Happy New Year, my friend. How are you? Oh, good evening, Jeremy, and a happy New Year to you. Um, so Rishi Sunak says that all pupils in England should study maths until the age of 18. He says this will ensure that younger people are better equipped for jobs of the future. Um, you're a bit of a maths person. Uh, is this a good idea? Do you support this idea of Sunak's? Uh, well, I've been a maths teacher for 15 years, and let's just say my eyebrows raised when he said this, because teaching is, on one hand, an incredibly cost-efficient way to look after a load of children. Uh, secondly, it's one size doesn't quite fit all in a comprehensive education. Everybody has to adjust a bit. And it's also the great middle-class job creation scheme. So for starters... How many tens of thousands of maths teachers would they need for this? I'd be going back in the profession because I'd be turning up to the headmaster or the principal and going, pay me double what you're paying that unemployable English teacher. Um, I'm concerned, right? I'm sure that maths is important, but don't kids have the right to choose their own path? And what about the kids that are no good at maths? Are they going to be labelled unfairly and unnecessarily? Is he putting too much emphasis? I mean, I'm all for numeracy, but is he making it too important? What about practical skills? What about the written word? Why maths? Well, this, might, this might shock you, but I agree with you. I'm in a bit of an iconoclast. I reckon at least half of what we do for school maths is for the, um, the benefit of the maths profession because it, uh, real subjects have GCSEs. Most kids do not need to do the level of algebra they do. And... We've got a system which is struggling to get out of the 18th century, let alone the 19th or 20th. Um, the one thing I think the Prime Minister is right is he should be looking at ways to upgrade the whole syllabus, but good luck with that. That will take between 10, 10 or 20 years to even get started. I mean, I've got... They'll all laugh, the Cabinet. I failed maths O-level, because it was O-level when I was... I failed it literally six times. Really? I promise you, hand up... Six yeah. times, I was utterly illiterate. I could work out the odds of nine to what? That's the word. Yeah. I could what? Shut up. <laughs> and I could <laughs> thank it. Just honestly, I could work out that the, the amount on a nine to one winner minus tax when I had a bet, right? Like that. But I honestly, I'm with you. Well, Logar like Logarithm. You don't pay the tax though. Is, you pay it beforehand. But is it? Is it? Mark, don't go anywhere. No. Thank you for that for now. Was that the beast? That's not what he's called now. He's called Mark Labette. Listen to me. Sorry, but he looks so much younger. Well, you wish you could <laughs> say the same. <laughs> Rishi Sunak. I mean, maths? Help me out, Parrish. What's this about? Yeah, I mean, I think it is right to make sure that everybody has a, a degree of maths, but I think what, you're, what we don't want is necessarily concentrating on algebra. I mean, it's not only about interest rates and mortgage rates and all of those things, it's also about, you know, if you want to do plumbing, carpentry, all of these things, a, a basic maths is absolutely yes, essential. Yes, of course it is. And, and I think, so therefore, I think it's right to drive that forward. Well, basic now, maths is fine. Yeah. I mean, if you have GCSE maths, most, yeah. uh, most jobs require a C in GCSE yes. maths. 
Why isn't that good enough? Why do they have to do it to 18? And also, how on earth are you going to get the students who hate mm. maths to really put any effort and in? And what are those students going to think, Frankie, if they don't do it or they're not good enough to do it? How does that look? That doesn't well, look great. Yeah, I mean, I was a student that was very bad at maths, and I and found me. it very demoralising. I'm really with you. Like, it was very upsetting. I managed to get my GCSE, and I was so glad to see the back of it. And then I went on to get... A-levels of English literature, a degree in international politics, and then a master's in international development. So it's, All right. Hold me, what I'm saying is that the <laughs> maths right. didn't... It's not a boast. It's more that, like, the maths didn't hold me back. But I feel mm. like if I was forced to do A-level yeah. maths, it might have knocked my academic contact, um, you know, competence to the point where I didn't feel like I could carry I on. Thought... But I would just like to say, on the point of the school teachers and in terms of education... If you are saying you're not going to feed children free school meals and you're going to, you know, ruin education, increase class sizes to the extent that the Conservatives are because we've got a crisis in education, what is putting them to mass to 18 going to do to fix the crisis that we've got in education? It is a red flag. They are pushing it out. What they need to do is feed children properly, make education a comfortable environment for children to learn I, hope, I sincerely hope it's not an either-or. I mean, I, I hope that he's but actually talking about... it seems to be an either-or. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I said I sincerely hope it isn't. Mm. I mean, I've got a horrible feeling it probably is, but... Look, basic numeracy by all means. Look, if you've got someone who's 16, who's not particularly gifted you know, in, in terms of numeracy, to be told you're going to spend another two years studying this, they're going to be out the door. But or I, but, they're going but, to be turned off maths. But why are we not more practical in our educational yeah, approach? I mean, I and think... you can talk about doing maths to do your tax returns, and that, but don't laugh. There are practical but, things in life that no education what, teaches what you. What they'll do is they'll set down the idea of actually doing it to 18, and then they'll actually look at the apprenticeships and other things, and there'll be other ways of actually doing maths as well. So the idea of well, actually coming back into sort You're of concentrate right, on, on, the, yeah. on the, the math is absolutely yeah. right. So I don't think we want to get so tied up as the fact that it's going to be an A-level level. It's not. It's, not. it's actually going to be practically well. there. Yeah. What you need to do, and, and my, my, my daughter's a maths teacher, so, you know, oh. I mean, it's very oh. much a very, very keen to, to get people to, 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 to teach maths as well, because there is a problem with a, with a number of maths teachers. But, I mean, she would be the first to say, and, and I have to say this on air, is that it's very difficult to teach those that don't want to be taught maths. I can't that's think of anything that's the other, worse That's than the other maths. side of it. But on the other hand, what we do do is there's a lot of people out there that could have actually had a better, more practical job if they had more maths. So but I think it's right really to find that? ways I of it, but do be... it through the pre apprenticeship schemes, have... no, not just through... This is the old vocational just, versus yeah. academic yeah. argument. Yeah, but we've so got this to is, this is from the my, This is from my brother-in-law, Perry, who says, six times, nonsense, you're one of the sharpest cookies I know. <laughs> but that, that there is a reason for that, right? Yeah. I was rubbish at maths. Yeah. Are we in danger of saying to kids who aren't good at maths, you're crap, you're not going to... Well, that's I think, the problem well, in my mind thing, because when I, I was a better-than-average but not brilliant student at GCSE... Then I got rid of all the stuff I couldn't really do that well. Science, languages, mathematics, and did straight art subjects, writing essays at that yeah. level, and I did pretty well. Yeah. Did you? And I, yeah, and I was, I was happy with that. So you would consider yourself to be quite intelligent? Sometimes. Oh, you, you've got oh double masks. No, no, no. You have <laughs> been MPs. You have been upstanding individuals. So, right, this is the moment you've got. You, I've waited all day this for this. Is, this is going to be. Uh, we're going back to Mark Lebed. He's got some maths questions for you all to test your knowledge. It's time, my friends, to see who tonight will be Kyle's mathematical mastermind. Mark, it's over to you. Oh, oh that's great. Um, and before we start, being with good maths. Right, Mark, uh, you're on. It's all yours, kid. A go. Okay. 
And I'd say, take your time. Don't let Jeremy wind you up. Just oh. work your way through the problems. Number one, what is 0 0.4 times 0 0.3? No. What is 0 0.4 times 0 0.3? <laughs> no cheating! <laughs> Can we confer? No. You're enjoying this, aren't you, Jeremy? Don't ask me. Yeah. Don't oh, loving it, love. No, because the... Oh. Question two. <laughs> Jeremy so. needs yeah. two-thirds <laughs> of a tank of petrol to get home. He has five-eighths of a tank of petrol. Does he have enough to drive home after the show? Give us that again. Jeremy needs two-thirds of a tank of petrol to get home. He has five-eighths of a tank of petrol. Does he have enough to drive home after the Get an electric car, Jeremy. Is it an automatic? Stop copying. I don't know. And question three. It's going too fast. This is brilliant. I'm sorry. It's not your fault. Question three. Which of these is a cube number? 9, 25, 42, or 64? Copy. Um, What's a cube number? Which of these is a cube number? No, a square number is. 9, 25, 42. Stop doing it together! Sorry. Together we have the numbers again, sorry. We're socialists. I think it's that one. 9, 25. 9, 25, 42, or 64? Sorry. 9, 25, 42, and 64. What's the cube number? 3, 8, 24. Ah, 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 ah. 16. Give me the app. Right, could I just... Could I just... Jeremy's Look at avoided it. that. Shut pens down. Pens down. Oh, oh, hold on. Hold on. He's, <laughs> he's lost his helmet. This is brilliant. Hold on. This is the... Look at this. Hey, this right. is so crap. Look at the budget, right? The app's fallen off. We're not wearing that on its own. What does that tell you? No, that's not happening. <laughs> right. Pens down. Let's have some answers. The first question, my friends, as I stand here in my gown, uh, work out 0 0.4 times 0 0.3. Peter Cardwell, what is your answer to the first question? I think it's 1.2. You think it's 1.2. So, Cardi P, 1.2. Uh, Frankie? The same. Uh, Frankie, oh, this is a surprise. 1.2. Uh, uh, Paris? Yeah, 1.2. 1.2, yeah. I said it first. <laughs> 1.2. Mark, what's the answer, buddy? Can I have their jobs? No. It's what's 0. the answer? 0.12. What? 0. 0.12. 0. Uh, 0.12. Uh, uh, thick yeah, double masters. Oh, Second one. God. Jeremy, that's me, needs two-thirds of a tank of petrol to get home. He has five-eighths of a tank of petrol. Does he have enough to drive home after the show? Yes. No. 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 Oh, so oh, hold on a second. So Cardwell, yes. No, no, no. no. Oh, you know, no. Uh, Frankie? Also, no. Oh, Frankie. Uh, Parish? No. No. <laughs> Poundy? Are you driving your Bentley? No. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. So pounds wrong. You've all got one point. Yes. Pounds, you're rubbish, man. Yes. <laughs> right, pounds. Uh, I'm going to go with you. Hang here, on, right. he's right. Yeah, they are. He's right. right. What? Yeah. Pounds right. Who's right? Pound two-thirds is bigger than five Thank eights. you. So, yes, you can drive home. Does oh, no, I, I got it mixed up in my head. Uh, does he have enough to drive home after the show? I've got no on my yeah, car. No, hold on, hold on. It is no, he hold doesn't on. have enough. Five hold on, eight. hold on. Yeah. Yeah. about five-eighths, yeah. which is 15 twenty-fourths. Yeah. But there's two-thirds, yes. yeah. which is 16 twenty-fourths. Therefore, yeah. he doesn't have two-thirds. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, yeah. Mark LeBet. Right, final one. 
Which hey, of these? Hang on, Mark's right. Oh, no, big one. Mark, uh, which of these is a cube number? 9, 25, 42 or 64? Peter Cardwell, what is it? I think it's 64. Uh, Peter Cardwell, 64. Frankie Leach? 64. She's just a copycat. Copy 64. Parrish? 64. Uh, Parrish, uh, 64. Pounds? Yeah, all right. 64 <laughs> pounds, 25. <laughs> uh, Mark, what's the answer, my friend? 64. Four yes. times four. Why? Four. Why? Because it's four just... times four times four. Four, four cubes. Yeah. Yeah, Can right. I just say, um, Mark LeBet, you're an amazing man. Thank you very much indeed. Um, Stephen Pound, no wonder you're an ex-MP. You've <laughs> only got one. Uh, <laughs> Steve, absolute rubbish. Steve, I have to say, uh, Neil Parrish managed to get two by doing it on his own. You two are a couple I of cheats. You are absolutely... Copied me. You are thrown out. She copied me. Yeah. Honestly, right. Labour for you. I got two. <laughs> I declare the winner, Neil Parrish. You two are thrown out, but we will get serious. No, That's to be fair, I I did cheat. I listen, did. listen. We have to get serious. You admitted it, That's ladies crazy. and gentlemen. Right. Quiet. You were honest. Be quiet, because we're going to change tone, which we try and do on the show all the time. Next on JK Live, the cabinet will talk about this shocking story on the front of the Sun today about cycling legend Mark Cavendish. I want to ask this question: How typical? Is this a crime in our country? We're coming back in three.
This is Talk TV. Thank you very much indeed. Welcome back to Jeremy Carr Live. Now we focus relentlessly in recent weeks on the failure of our public services to get us to work or even to hospital. But just as worryingly, uh, the police also seem to have slapped on an out-of-office sign in recent months, and they're not even on strike. The front page of today's Sun showed a shocking story. Cyclist Mark Cavendish beaten up by burglars uh, days after he left and returned home from intensive care. Now, Labour say today that over one million theft cases were dropped in 2021 after the police failed to find a suspect, with the average thief nicking £1,400 worth of goods. I want to know from you if you've been affected by a justice system that, frankly, is on the run as ever on Insta, Twitter and Facebook, Jeremy Carr Live, using the hashtag JKLive. I want to ask you all, though, um, let's start with you, Peter. We're seeing burglar is becoming more and more violent. Do you think the police are doing enough? Because there's a lot of criticism. Absolutely not, and the police are focusing on things which many people wouldn't believe are actually police work. And if you think back to the Conservative Party conference, I was there in, in uh, Birmingham. Now, fair enough, Liz Truss was the Prime Minister. We have a new Prime Minister. But one of their sort of positive promises was saying, if you want a GP's appointment, we'll get you one in two weeks. And another one was, if you are burgled, the police will come round. Well, call me old-fashioned, but I would have thought the police would have come round anyway when they're burgled. Yeah. This one with Mark Cavendish is absolutely horrendous for him and his family. But any burglary of anybody, you feel really violated, and you want the police there, you want that reassurance, and you want to know when you ring them that they'll turn up. Uh, do you think do you think that these you know these crimes are being taken seriously enough, being held at knife point or gunpoint in your own home? Well, that absolutely destroys your confidence, destroys... You know, you, want to, you never ever want to come back into that house That's again. That's right. Look, you, one thing you can't get away from is the fact that we... And we all know between 2010 and 2020, there were 20,000 less police officers. 20,000 less police officers in England and Wales. I don't care what you say, there has to be a read across. But what really worries me is the degree of violence that seems to be occurring. Yeah. You know, people are having their watches ripped off in the street. People are driving by on e-scooters and grabbing people's phones. And it, it's, uh, there's no visible police presence. I think the police could do much more about burglary. We've now got smart water, we've got much more technology. There's much more that they it, could be doing, but they are not deterring, well, let alone solving. Would it be um, uh, an excuse that I'm wrong to give? That part of the problem that I think with the police forces, and you can talk about them doing different things, is they're too busy doing mental health work. They're too busy doing social care rather yeah. than doing... And because it's all become computerised and high-tech, they're not out on the street. About, Bobby's on yeah, the I mean, beat that, getting intel, about right? 80, 80 per, sorry, about 80% of what police officers do is not what we would consider yeah, police right. work. Sorry, Neil. Yeah, I mean, when I've been out with the police in the constituency, that's been the trouble. You know, they've got, a lot of it is, if you like, social care and social work that they're doing. And so, therefore, also, I think they everything's got to be filled out in triplet all the time when they arrest anybody or when they do anything. And therefore, they have got to be able to get out on the street, be able to actually take more direct action and not be as much of a problem thereafter. Because I think that's partly why the police haven't got the time very often to get there. And I know the numbers went down, but they are now going up again. But I think, you know, they really want to make sure that people do feel safe in their homes, because quite rightly, it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're, you know, famous or not, if you are held with a knife in your own home, it is absolutely horrendous. And, you know, you have to look at, you know, um, David Amos and what happened there with the stabbing. You know, terrible, because, you see, he wasn't killed because he was David Amos, because there was never a nicer MP in all well, parties. Let's, said that, let's, but it was because he was killed for what he represented. And that's let, let's why move on to that. that. And, and to bring you in, Frankie, Tory MP for Anglesey, Virginia Crosby, has said she uses a stab victim.
vest when meeting the public since the killing in South End of Sir David Ames. Joe Cox as well killed whilst meeting uh, members of the public. Um, do you understand that? And what does it say about a society that a member of parliament voted for by his constituents or her constituents has to do that? What the hell's going on? Is it lack of police officers or what? I don't think it's a lack of police officers. I just think that we are living in an increasingly violent society. And I don't know if you experience this, but when I was um, an advisor, I was in violent situations when I was out about with MPs and I had a particular instance where the police didn't come for two hours and I was ringing them on a direct line to say I really need a police presence now because I can't guarantee the safety of my principal which is the MP but also the staff around them and that's a question that we don't really talk about it's like your MP's got a stab vest on but does your advisor have a stab vest on does your caseworker does the you know the caretaker who's opening up the centre for that and what we need to deal with is the fact that there is an increasing culture of violence around politics around MPs people are being whipped up there is a lot of hatred and you know people talk violently and then people go off and do violent things and it's it's really terrible um, can I just jump in both of you I mean uh, your ex MPs would you if you were an MP today would you wear a stab vest you no be no point why because you're, you're vulnerable and invisible all the time. Um, and I also think it's crucially important that you are actually there accessible yeah. to your constituents. But you can be uh, that, accessible... No, I'm sorry, if I'm sitting there, tooled up, wearing a stab... I mean, when I was in the north of Ireland, I, I used to wear a stab vest on a number of occasions. I had you know, no choice. We were told... You know, what about I, if it was hidden? Yeah. Yeah. Would you have worn one? No, well, I wouldn't have worn one, but I think you, what you do is you're much more alert now to who's coming and, and what they might be bringing with them and what have you. But I think, you know, with, a, with the democracy you've got with a constituency MP, you must be out there there you must be able to meet people so therefore I do think actually the police do need to take more action as well and be ready to be come so, to your surgeries you know we I mean I had a had a pager but I mean uh, be honest with you I pressed it button. once and about yeah. two hours later they rang up to see where I was um you know I mean but it, that, just, it I mean, just does not bad. are they protected I'm not even just talking about MPs are we protected enough? are the police overstretched are they uh, are there not enough of them, or frankly, are they, for whatever reason, concentrating on the wrong things, Pete? Because yeah, it's not yes great. To, yes to all three of those, but I yeah. think uh, Stephen and, and uh, uh, Neil and probably Frankie would agree as well. In Parliament, MPs have this, kind of, and people around Parliament, have this kind of weird double life. You're in Parliament and you've got, you know, big men with guns yes, who are, who are yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, one of the most secure buildings in the whole of the country. Yeah. Downing Street, the most secure street in the, in the country, probably. Uh, you're going between those... Often, if you're a minister, there are six of them, like the Prime Minister, who have 24-hour protection. But if you're an MP in your constituency, talking to people about local issues, you don't want to have any barriers yeah. between you. But at the same time, you've gone from this very, very secure place to a very, very insecure place. Mm -hmm. where and you, you go there on the tube or on the bus. But I think yeah. what, what you mentioned earlier on about mental health, about the police having to do that, in both the cases, in Joe Cox, you know, he, mm -hmm. God rest her soul, she was murdered by someone who's a far-right extremist. In the case of Sir David Amos, we know this is a person who's profoundly, you know, with, yeah. they, they had issues themselves. And I think that this is the problem. It comes back to this fact that we do not have proper ways of treating, defending or protecting the public from people who have these profound mental health differences. See, we still, as MPs, yeah. we still need to be able to, to get out of our cars. You know, I used to go to the Compton Farmers Market, Timberton or whatever, and you get out of your car, just greet did. people and do all these things. I mean, I always felt secure, but, you know, there is a risk. Um, but the trouble is, if you get to a stage where you're not able to do that, I just don't think you can re represent the people yeah. and, and you don't feel, you know, you, well, you're as a politician, you've got, to, you've got to be able yeah. to know what everybody ordinary, knew where I lived. you know, what everybody, <laughs> you know, ordinary people are thinking yeah. today, you know, and they come straight out with a, Neil, you're not doing anything about that or you're doing this or but that's right, that's wrong. That we talk about um, how we need the police to be able to are dealing that. with mental health because yeah. what 
and mental health, it's kind of public service things. Does that not make you think that public services have been so decimated under austerity that you've now got people who are at the front line, as it were, with the community, having to do about three or four different jobs because that whole element of community care for well, people in Do you remember care in the community? We, exactly. we used to have Free and Barnet, The Grange, Longgrove, exactly. Horton, uh, all these... Can I just read... Can I just read this... Can I just read Patricia, thank you for getting in touch. She says, I lived in Coventry for three years, burgled every year. I had death threats, absolutely no police visits. Also, I had one attempted forced entry. That was the only time I saw an officer. The rest of those things were ignored. That's Whatever your political persuasion... Yeah, that's that's, what, that, that, that's for, You made the point at the yeah. beginning, that's your, that's your home, that's where you feel safe. That destroys your confidence. Whether, whether we're putting too much pressure on our police, whether we need to spend more money on more officers, whether they need to, to get out in the street, I just... This is probably not going to sound right. I don't even think the younger generation are scared of the police anymore. I also think we do actually have to do more to try and, and tackle the, the, the knife crime in, in particular because that's building up and building up. And I think, you know, there is... It's not just the police, is it? It's being able to try and actually catch people as they're coming through school and so on. Because, yeah. I mean, well, my, 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 wife, my wife taught at a very well, yeah. tough school and, and you could be fairly sure you knew where, where no, the ones that know, were going to really One of the issues with knife crime... I, I sat in with a pathologist... Um, in Hammersfield, in my pad. And he said, overnight, you can actually have the problems because if you didn't have pointed knives, you don't need a sharp pointed knife. Mm. You can have a round blade. Oh. And when someone is killed with a knife, it's killed because their body's been pierced, That's you true. know, up through the ribs. He said, you could do it tomorrow, ban knives um, with points. I have, to, I have to leave it there. Um, I really appreciate it. Peter and Frankie, um, disrespectful, I think, to the whole thing earlier in terms of the way that you both cheated. Oh! Um, I didn't, I didn't I'm not cheat. getting involved. I did not Stephen cheat. Stewart's inquiry. You need inquiry. to go away and read a few more books. But, Neil, uh, you will definitely come back as the winner tonight. And I hope you do get that offer of a sub I'm season winner. in Bridlington. Don't, next don't on... be too hard on yeah. my friend, Stephen. Yeah. Yeah. Right, we've written a rhyme. Next on JK Live. Ready for this? A scalpel left in the diaphragm. Ten words that have gotten a ban. And would you call your baby O'Shan? I'll be speaking with Kevin Gemma next. We're coming right back. Don't go anywhere.
Welcome back to Jeremy Carr Live Wednesday night. Thanks for tuning in. It's time for that part of the show where two heavyweights of the news go head-to-head -head in... The showdown. A slight, slight delay there in the left corner. She can just about put one and one together. It's <laughs> writer and journalist Gemma Forte in the right corner. He doesn't quite add up, does he? It's Talk TV's presenter, Kevin O'Sullivan. Hello, Jeremy. Happy New Year, both. How are and you? To you. Yeah. Uh, now, everyone, right, is, is, is very excited about this part of the show. We're going we're gonna to throw a few things at you. I want to know what you think. Uh, let's start with Lake Superior State University's chosen ten words that it says are the most misused, overused and useless. GOAT, the anacronym for the greatest of all time, tops the poll, as well as inflection point gaslighting, uh, quiet quitting, moving forward, amazing, absolutely. Does that make sense? What are we talking about here? I'm confused. Yeah, just the words that are irritating people, basically. So I would have added holly bobs like that makes me cringe. I actually think gaslighting is a good descriptor you know for a certain thing about kind of behaviour. I've got a thing about gaslighting that every time I hear it, I can't quite work out what it means. Mm. And then I look it up and I work out what it means and then it leaves my mind immediately. I just cannot take gaslighting on board. What words so annoy you? Uh, Amaze balls, things like Amazeballs. amazing is in, is on the list. Yeah, but Amaze balls is even Amaze balls is horrendous. Irregardless, I think irregardless. irregardless. Yes, irregardless, because actually it's not a isn't word. a word. Exactly, a word. it should not be irregardless. Piers Morgan. Oh, that <laughs> infuriates me. Absolutely. But that's two words. Uh, this is absolutely outrageous, my friends. I apologise at home if you're just having your dinner. Record number of foreign objects left inside patients' bodies after surgery. It happened. 291 times in 21-22. Swabs, gauzes, uh, scalpels and drill bits are most common, just to make you feel better. Uh, there are strict procedures to prevent blunders, including checklists, but sometimes errors are not discovered until months afterwards. Why am I feeling a bit sick of scalpel in well, this They, they, they release, release, release the, these numbers every year at this time. Uh, and every, every single year, it's alarming. And they call these uh, events where they leave scalpels. My favourite is drill bits. I know. Uh, How do you leave a drill bit in somebody's <laughs> gut? <laughs> Workmen there <laughs> in the uh, operating thing. But um, overworked and over underpaid and tired. But, but it gets worse. And they call them never events. Yeah. The trouble is, it isn't never. It happens every single year. And okay, 292 in a year out of all the operations. Might not be that many, but it's not nice if it's If you're to you. one of those 292 no. people, it's a nightmare. And Absolutely. Yeah, they nightmare. just find out because people feel awful after yeah. their operation, can't figure it out. So they have to be whisked in, it has to be sorted. It's even happened apparently to a baby that was on the operating table, a swab or something left in. So, yeah, it's not great. Now, that's very interesting. Well done. It's seamless. Uh, weirdest baby names for 2023. Naming website Nameberry has highlighted maximalist names as a top trend for 2023. Right, this is just awful. <laughs> Galax, I can't even say it. Galaxius. Galaxius, yeah. All right. <laughs> Cleopatra. Well, I've heard of that. Oberon O'Sullivan. Oberon. Ooh. Zebedee. Ze what is that of uh, magic roundabout? Stevie Lynn and Steel. And what is wrong with the world? Now, honestly, or Apple or Willow. Willow's all right. It's but... weird, isn't it, how names go in and out of fashion? And, like, I've got a, a lily, but actually, at one point in the Victorian mm. times, I think that was really popular. So they go in mm. and out of fashion. They do. Now you've got no Garys. Where, where are the Peggy's no and the Beryls? I think there were no Nigels last year, no That's Garys. not a bad thing, Nigel. Kevin's pretty crap, yeah, isn't yeah. it, to be fair? Thank you very much. Yes, it is. Not as good as Jeremy. Yes, it is. It's awful. But uh, do you want to know what the daughter of... Uh, uh, Las, Las Vegas casino owner Steve Wynn is called his daughter. Uh, you can't. Kevin. Kevin Wynn? Kevin. It's like, you can't be called Kevin. 
Right, now, I'd like, to, I'd like everybody to calm down. And, Tim, I, I apologise. I've had him running around. I get quite embarrassed with this. A new 200... I don't even know how I'm supposed to introduce this. Uh, they're all looking at me. A new <laughs> £250 smart ring designed, designed exclusive for women will do what no husband has ever dreamt of. Tell them how to snap out of being in a mood. Oh. Uh, the Evie ring will monitor the wearer's menstrual cycles, sleep patterns and other vital statistics in a bid to help her learn how to feel best. Because yeah. you're always grumpy, aren't you? Oh, apparently so. Definitely once a month. You know what? It seems... I don't know. Let's give it a go. I haven't used it. But it looks like a bit of a gimmick to me. I'm like, we're supposed to shell out for this thing to then tell us what's quid. going this on. Is what I don't, this is what makes me uncomfortable about it, because I would defer to you in all these areas. But, well, that'd be good, because she's a woman. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. That's why I defer to her yeah. in this area. Mm. But it, it seems to indicate that all of women's moods are chemical. Yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. that's sexist. Well, uh, yeah, there's so many things Blimey, going on. Arati, what's happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of things going on within a woman, whether it's sleep and nutrition and, of course, I'm sorry, cycles. try being a man. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> i got to stick up for men here. Oh, They're all looking at me. You've said the wrong thing bleeds. now. My heart bleeds, especially when, you know, giving birth. Yeah, but you could just be in a bad mood. It doesn't have to be chemical, does it? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's as if it, yeah, it's not every, chemical with you, and you're always you in a bad it, mood. Every man. time some certain people see a woman in a bad yeah. mood, they go, "Ooh." Oh, I think there'll be mind. a lot of women probably rolling their eyes at this yeah, and just I thinking, agree. "No, you're all right. Yeah. I'm not going to shell it's out rubbish, for that. Yeah. I'm going to deal with things in other ways." Uh, you lot are agreeing too much. Mum hits back at trolls after allowing her nine-year-old to get a nose pierced. What are we? But that's ridiculous, isn't it? Well, we looked this up, and uh, in the state of Illinois, where this happens, it is actually legal to get your kid a nose pierce at any age, as long as there's parental Yeah, permission. I think there's more guidance here, like, before 14, 14 you can't. Yeah. I personally wouldn't want to do that to my kid at nine. Like, but did you see the reason the, the, kid, the reason she ended up with a nose pierce? She was going to get her ears pierced, but she didn't like any of the earrings. So her mum said, how about a nose pierce? Nine years of age. <laughs> it's a bit young. It's too young. On a serious note, are we not getting to a point where people are just, I don't know, just, just kids are just growing up? I mean, I sound old saying that, but they're not growing up too quickly. No, yeah, I, no, I agree. My, my personal preference would be to wait until my child uh, had a say in it of whether they wanted yeah. a hole in their nose. I don't For think many reason? parents would go along with nine Have you got any piercings? Uh, no. All right, Take a wild piercings? guess. I've got piercings. I've got three in that ear, one there and a small tattoo. A small tattoo is not a piercing. It's Where's, not the, a piercing. Where's the tattoo? <laughs> On my hip. What does it say? What, what I don't even it? know. What does it say? Look at us, both. What does it say? Where is it? For <laughs> God's sake, it's terrible. Right, we're not confident enough to change a light bulb or turn off the water. This is a brilliant story. Millions of Brits couldn't confidently turn off the water, fix a fuse, or even change a light bulb. A study of 2,000 adults found that only 46% are comfortable hanging a picture, uh, whilst just 17% uh, wouldn't know what to do with a dripping toilet. I, I have a very modern marriage. Victoria's amazing. I, I, I was looking at her the other day. This is absolutely true. She's mending the washing machine and I'm doing the ironing. That's how But I've got some messages here. Kate says, My dad taught me not only to change bowls, but change plugs, wire fuses, tap washers, change a wheel in the car, as well as check oil and radiator levels. Don't schools teach any practical skills nowadays. Nigel says, me and my dad said the other day we're going to become a bunch of lazy, useless idiots. Everything is available at the touch of a button now. You need to learn a trade to become a high commodity. And that's yeah. important, isn't it? This says 25% of people don't know what to do when they see a dripping toilet. I do. You phone the plumber and you get them round to fix it. You, know, you can't, can't get one. I can't change anything. I could, probably could do a light bulb. But don't you think, we were talking earlier about education, don't you think it would be better if kids were taught more practical things like that? Yeah, it would yeah, be. Yeah, right, absolutely. I, I mean, definitely with the, with the maths thing, 18. I think they should be taught actually things, tax returns, you know, um, um, what are shares, interest, inflation, that kind of thing. But with practical stuff like this, yeah. I do think some of that is down to parents. 
Why can't people... I'm sorry, if people don't know how to change a bulb, that is pathetic. Well, it is quite pathetic. Pinky sums it up quite nicely. I can change a plug, I can put flat-packed furniture together and a lot of other things, but then I only can do that because I'm a woman and women are stronger and better than men. I do flat-packed furniture on my own, I do Get that. out! What, do, what do you do? Do you uh, get the wife I to can't, do it for uh, you? Yeah, no, well, no, I call people in. I can't do yeah. any of this stuff. But do you call a man or a woman in to change a light bulb? Well, I, you yeah, really I'm are. Useless. I'm useless. I'm useless. I'm absolutely useless. Well, listen, I mean, it, it, it was called a showdown, but you basolly agreed on everything all night with each other. It's, it's an absolute... Right. I agreed with a general on Twitter today as well. Well, so, what did you say so on Twitter? Well, peace is breaking out between is us. This a, is this a new start to yeah, 2023? Maybe. Yeah. Give us another couple of weeks. We'll, yeah, be, right. we'll, we'll be, be back to normal. Will there be a showdown romance? <laughs> <laughs> now... Oh, I wouldn't show, count on showman. it. Thank you, yeah, showman. Thank you, Kevin O'Sullivan. Thank you, Gemma Forty. Now, everyone is talking about the big political speech of the day. I'm already agog as to what the commentators will make about it in tomorrow's papers. I'm, of course, talking about the big dog himself, Richard Tice, whose brilliant performance today launching Reform's agenda for, for 2023 had us all spellbinded. So, Isabel, what did you make of Richard's huge oration this morning? I am very sorry to reveal that I didn't actually <laughs> listen to it. Can ah, ah, you there. believe it? <laughs> Unbelievable. There's love for you. Uh, what have you got coming up tonight? We've got, a, I mean, unbelievable also, Jeremy. They're back. Yes, those dirty, grotty things called face masks. Uh, the pressure is to have those backs. And also, it's a new year. The migrants have already started returning. How's that going to go this year? And my favourite bit, how far would you go for physical perfection? Obviously, Jeremy, we know that you are a model of physical <laughs> perfection, uh, but we're going to meet the man who's travelled abroad and bought a whole new Thank body. Thank you, you two. Get off. We'll see you tomorrow at 7 then. Next, have a great night. ta -ra!